And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's up, man? Trying to get funded. You don't have a chance. Dude, how do you know, man? I'm looking at statistics. The statistics, the statistics, that's hard to say. Statistics of getting yeah. funded. What does that have to do with me? I'm not a statistic. I'm a real live human. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. I want to hear your pitch. Well, well, yeah, that's it. But you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I got this idea. I, I have, I don't have any competition. Um, oh. And I'm positive that I'll be able to get like 50 to 80% market share in three to six months. So I'm pretty sure people are going to want to throw money at me. But, you know, I want to talk about it. I think you might change your mind about me getting funded. Um, I think we acknowledge that getting funded sucks when we started the podcast series. That was the title of episode two. Uh, whether you are aware, I don't think episode two was powered by fullscale.io, much like today's episode, because fullscale wasn't a thing then, but it is now. And hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. But visit fullscale.io to learn more. You know, Matt, so many Startup Hustle listeners have gone to fullscale and Filled out a simple form, man, two minutes worth of questions, and we'll be able to match you up with people that can hopefully solve your technical problems and make your technical dreams come true. And maybe that will result in getting funded. But Matt, when you think about the real story of getting funded, I mean, what comes to mind other than the fact that we know it sucks? I mean, it usually involves begging friends and family for money and using MasterCard and Visa. That was uh, my experience. Yeah, well, we'll come back to that because you're actually right about that because most people think that getting funded means bringing in actual investors. (laughs) And in the earliest stages, it it usually doesn't. Why? Because the real story of of getting funded is that a lot of the money out, there's a lot of people looking for money. There's, and there's a lot of people that write checks and provide that money, but it comes in different shapes and forms. And inherently, when you have an idea on the back of a bar napkin, that's not usually fundable by other people, but it is certainly fundable by yourself and other folks. Um, you know, now Matt, you've, uh, did you, did you actually have outside money at any point at Venn Solutions, which by the way, if you're unaware, that was a, a company that Matt was involved with. that had a rather large exit in 2012. So, yeah, so we started that company in 2003 and it was completely bootstrapped at some point in time, like two or three years later, uh, a friend slash customer, I think, you know, might have put in like a hundred grand or something like that when we really needed it. And then at one point in time, we sold off part of the business that we didn't want to do anymore. It had to do with like a, a service part of the business. And I think we got like another hundred grand for that. So we built, we built, Pretty we, built yeah. we built a business that did 30 million a year in annual revenue from, I guess, 200 grand of total investment that was not my MasterCard or Visa. 
Yeah, when it's all said and done, that led to an acquisition of roughly 150 million bucks. So congratulations yeah. on that again. But you know, there's a, you know, so here's the fact. So we're going to tell the real story, and and with that, I want to give a disclaimer. We're not trying to be negative about getting funded. We're trying to be realistic and we're trying to be honest and tell you what you can expect. So I don't want the comments that we make today to sound discouraging or negative for those of you that have dreams. But as, but here's the thing, our goal and our experience is going to hopefully be useful and help you avoid wasting your time, potential pitfalls. And then there's shit falls too. That's like getting yourself in a shitty situation you don't want to be in. And here's the fact, high potential startups attract the most investors, but that capital does come with a caveat. They become your business partners or own part of your business. And the real numbers on this is 0.05%. That's, That's point one zero. in 2000. Right. Actually raise venture capital. Now look, getting funded comes in many shapes and forms and in the earliest stages uh, is almost always things like personal savings, right? I have an idea. I'm sure I, that's how it started for me. Well, it, so it totally depends on the type of business, right? If you're like, oh, I want to start a lawn care business or whatever, you're like, hey, I need enough money to go buy some equipment in a truck or whatever. It's not a huge capital expense. But if you're like, uh, I want to go buy, uh, I don't know, create a software company or buy some big building I need or whatever it is for some other kind of business, it can be very expensive. And even opening a restaurant now is extremely expensive, right? You like need a grease trap and all this expensive bullshit. I mean, you spend a hundred yeah, grand. Restaurants on almost any level are hyper expensive. They're very and expensive. That's, that's why things like food trucks, which are still expensive. I mean, yeah. it's still like a, a, in many cases, a 50 to $150,000 yeah. kind of expense. And, and, you know, let's, let's define startups. A startup is a business that doesn't come with an owner's manual by my definition. But in this case, could also be like opening a Subway franchise or something like that. Your reality, is, here's the thing, it's starting a new business from scratch. Uh, when I define what a startup is, like a franchise comes with an owner's manual and, and, a, and an 800 number. Startups don't, you're usually figuring it out. But I think that a lot of the information we'll talk about and share today will apply to both. Now, um, so we've got a list here with some statistics of where startups getting funded. And, and the top of the list is that makes me, makes me honestly question the data a little, because it says banks and other loans, 35%. But here's the reality. Banks do not give loans to brand new businesses, i.e. startups. Like, hey, I've got an idea. Here's my plan. I'm going to build this software platform and I need a million bucks to do it. Unless you have a hell of a lot of collateral to back that loan up, yeah. you don't have a shot at it. Now, if you do have collateral, you, you can probably, if you, you can probably get a loan however you want it, it might not be at the rate or the terms that you're looking for now. So, but the other loans, I mean, that can, that can be a lot of different things. So, you know, but, but please know I'm back into that. Don't waste your time thing. If you have a tech startup that has no traction, no revenue, nothing, don't bother with the bank. I mean, they're, they, you have 0% well, chance. They won't even give a, a, most software companies a loan that aren't profitable on paper yet. Well, and you got to be careful. You don't want to just get a second mortgage on your house and mm -hmm. cash out your 401k and all that kind yeah. of stuff, which people do. And I, I, one company I invested in as an angel investor, um, a couple of the founders did that actually. They cashed in their 401k and there was some like special government thing for that that um, they could take advantage of. 
and they've been really successful. The company's exploded. I, I did, man, so. I did that. Joe and I did that when we were building Gigabook before nice. you came in. Before you came in and partnered with us, because you're our and look, this isn't financial advice because we're not qualified. We are not financial advisors. We're not uh, dealer or brokers of that kind of services, but. Uh, there is, you can reshape your retirement savings, which into reinvesting into quote stock or stuff mm-hmm. like that. And uh, you can repurpose some of it and, and, you know, do it with your, your retirement savings, meaning you can take a 401k, which if you're not 59 and a half years old, you have to pay a bunch of penalties on. So right. you can avoid those. And that is, I, I don't honestly even want to get too far into that because that's complex. You're going to need a financial advisor and an accountant said advice, but you can, you can do it. But next on the list is personal savings. And this is the one that is, I think is a hundred percent because Matt, all the businesses I've started or involved in now definitely started with some yeah. level of personal savings. This is easily the most common. Absolutely. Bet on yourself if you want, this is, that's really what that comes down to. Absolutely. Yep. Definitely did that be, one. Be careful though. Do be careful. Like, and Matt, like Matt said, like taking a second mortgage out on your home or putting your life savings in, I mean, it can be hard to get that back. I mean, the, the real story of getting funded in startups in general is you have a much greater chance of failing than succeeding, yeah. um, which is part of why it pays richly at the end for many of us. Um, so just know it. Uh, but yeah, that's the easiest path. Why? Because it's your money. You can make your decisions with it. And, and quite honestly, man, I think that that when you're using your own money, for a lot of people, that's, well, that's a huge stressor. And for others, it's a big driver. Well, it's very stressful to use other people's money. That's for sure. Absolutely. Next on the list, man. Friends and family. Yep. <laughs> I don't like the family one. No. I'm just being, being honest. I, I have overwhelmingly avoided that part because here's the thing if you fuck it up you got to see them at christmas and thanksgiving and whatever and i've i've been exposed to a couple situations where parents or sisters or cousins took a brow beating because they invested in and 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 their kids or their family or whatever just be careful with it right just be careful with it I mean, it's hard because you also want your family to be successful, right? So if you're doing yeah. something and there's going to be a lot of reward yeah. from it, you'd rather spread that reward around to the family, but it's also balancing the risk associated with it. So I have had friends and family in on things, but they were, they weren't like the initial day one kind of stuff yeah. as an investor. It was later that there were things that it was really more so things where we were leveraging different financial quote things and I just wanted them to benefit from it too, because why not? You know, given given money to if you if you're if you're know that it's going back, I'd rather give that interest to yeah. someone else than maybe the first bank of who of wherever. Absolutely. Okay. The ne- next one. This is my favorite. Credit cards. Um, if you've read my book, Million Dollar Bedroom, which by the way, dude, I just reduced the. I I don't care about making money on that book, and it is ninety nine cents on Kindle right now. Okay. And that's the permanent price. Cause I'd rather, that's the, che- <laughs> that's the cheapest that Amazon will let me make it. Both of my books are, cause I'd rather have you read it. I want it's your $10 people. It's not as valuable to me as 
that 99 cents is going to be for you if you read it. But I started my first business in the extra bedroom in my home with no money. I, it was like the worst time of my life. I had a credit card with an $8,000 limit. And that really is truly where my entrepreneur journey began. And it, everything we still do has roots to that original credit card in many ways. And if you are in the business of buying and selling things, or like you mentioned, like a lawn business or something like that, I mean, you can go out and buy a freaking lawnmower with a credit card and get started. Yep, yep and, absolutely. And with that, I leveraged my friends and family's credit cards because I was a ticket broker at the time and we were buying and selling tickets. So we were paying the money back and everything. And my friends and family benefited from a shit ton of points. Yep. Rewards, when I, baby. When I walked away from that business, my friends and family were like, dude, I, I mean, I had one of my buddies tell me he had kids. He's like, I haven't paid for a diaper yet because he was using oh, wow. all of his points for, for stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, so that's an easy one. Once again, though, be careful because what we're talking about here is leverage. Leverage means you're using OPM, other people's money to get where you want. Now, that can be a very powerful principle, but when you're on the wrong side of that lever and it breaks or, or doesn't move the object, it can be ugly. It can be ugly. Is that fair? It's a lot of risk. Yep. All Especially right, if it's a 20% interest. Well, that's my point. And right now, you know, we're recording this in, in, in the fourth quarter of, of 2022 and, and rates are the highest that they've been in a long in time my, that I can even remember. And they're getting ready to go higher. So all that stuff ebbs and flows with it. All right. Next, angel investors. These are little tiny sentient beings that come down from the heavens with halos and grant you cash, right? Well, the... the I think the reason you would call them an angel investor is they're usually investing at the very, very earliest stage, like bef before, you know, you've even built something, you have no customers. I mean, it's they're an not idea. actual angels. Oh, uh, I mean, I'm they an angel. Are a little I'm bit. an angel. In your world, they will, they will feel like an angel. Yes, for sure. I think that's why they call them angels. So uh, this has a lot of different meanings uh, to some people, you know, an angel is like, I, I see it the same way as you mentioned Matt, some people will also refer to this as seed investors in some yeah. stages, like they're the earliest stage. Now, look, that comes with the highest risk for the investor because and once again, return. yeah, you haven't proven shit at that point. So if you're going to bring in angel investors, just know that that's a real thing and you're going to probably give up more than you might want later. But if you're not going to get to step five without this being step one or two, then it's the way it goes. 5.8% of startups get funding from angel investors. I, I agree with, I think that number's probably about right. Do you? I'm actually surprised it's that high. I mean, that's like 120, yeah. so. Well, and so here's the number that, that, that this is conflicts with the, the prior stats that we saw and it says venture capital is for, for over 4%. This might be the based on the total number of dollars, not it the percentage be. of the yeah, companies. That, I yeah, think this is based that, on the dollars. Yeah. So as opposed to number of businesses. Okay. Yeah. This and then the here's the thing from. though. We've had episodes about this. What the fuck is a startup? Because <laughs> I read the Wall Street Journal this morning and it was referring to like, they still refer to Uber as a startup. Is WeWork still a startup? Uh, is WeWork <laughs> exist? Is that a thing? I think they still exist. Yeah, I do too. 
Do you, well, speaking of funding, did you see the former WeWork founder raised Has hundreds of millions of dollars in pre-seed capital? I'm like, hey. For a mystery hey, new it? thing. Hey, you know what? I I might I might have invested in Adam Newman. I mean, that dude's experienced some shit, man. He's definitely he's definitely got a brand around it, whether you like it or not. All right, and then the last one, government related. So what is government? That's at two percent. Uh, man, there are a hell of a lot of grants, programs, uh, a ton of stuff. If you're not aware, we record this episode, and all four of our recurring hosts are in Kansas City. We have things like Launch KC. Go to launchkc.org. They've actually sponsored this podcast a lot, and they will in November of 2022, give out, uh, uh, they're give though I work, Matt, you're going with me, whether you knew that or yeah. not. Um, yep. there is an event where they will announce their quote cohort. So they've got, I think it's seven or eight companies that they'll give 50, they're giving 50 grand, all of them. Now, There's look, a- th- this is a real thing. That's non-dilutive capital in that case, meaning it, they don't become a partner. That's straight cash. And there's a lot of these types of programs all over the country, um, depending on where you live, based on the city or state level. So definitely look for them. You got to look for them, and they're not going to be fast. Just know most people don't know they exist. Yeah, because they don't get use Google and look for it. Um, I mean, there really is so much of this stuff around. And then with that, I also want to. There's a lot of programs too that um, are are hyper-specific, uh, meaning like they fund female entrepreneurs or, or, uh, or just any level, a- anything that's a diversity, I use air quotes, their kind of category, or group them together. And um, if that's you, flex it, go for it, because that's what it's there for. I think it's awesome. Now, look, when you get some, so the, the cool part about the government and these grants, so we mentioned digi- uh, uh, Launch KC, go to launchkc.org. You could be considered for that. We also have a thing here called Digital Sandbox, which are $20,000 grants. Um, there's, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff like that. Now, the cool part about being involved in those things is that's kind of like a Boy Scout or Girl Scout badge and it gives you some validation, some street cred. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you're, you're, you, have a, you have a high likelihood of getting a follow on. Now, there's a couple of things too that aren't government related. You have things like uh, Y Combinator, Techstars. I mean, there's incubators. incubators, accelerators. We went to a dinner the other night with, out of Columbia, Missouri. Scale. Huge startups. Yeah, scale-vc.com. Brett's been on the show with, with us before. And that's a, seed, that's a seed funding mechanism and an immersive 12-week course that has people like Willie from Equipment Share. That's a 2,500-person company. The founder of Zapier is involved with that. Yeah. Zapier, that's a megacorp, man. Like, it's a huge yep. enterprise. I mean, we're, we're getting involved with it. And this, and so there's some really cool stuff out there. But so Matt, you know, we're talking about the real funding. So this is where some of it comes from. But how does funding work? Like, how does it actually work? Do you just like, hey, dude, you're funded. Here's your check. Good luck. Is it well, that easy? I mean, sometimes with those grants, it's that easy. Um, you know, a lot of companies well, it's these days. it's not that easy because it's an exhaustive process to get yeah. to it. But, it's, but when it's they harder, say yes, they might be like, here's the money. Grants are probably gonna be a little easier, right? Because um, you're not giving up equity and stuff. But when you when you're giving up equity, you're gonna have to deal with doing some sort of convertible note or safe agreements, which are real common these days. What you don't want to do is spend an amazing amount of money on a PPO or, or whatever it's called and all the stuff that nobody does anymore. 
but some lawyer is gonna might convince you to do that and charge you a fortune for it. I'm gonna I'm gonna decode your uh, your uh, your acronyms. Safe S A F E note simple agreement for future equity. It's a very common uh, early early stage uh, form of structuring the investment. So we see how does funding work. It does have to have a structure around it in most cases. Um, and some and you know, but I don't know, man. I so you know I own. Part of a, I was an investor in a fitness equipment delivery mm-hmm. company. That was just a straight transaction. I just bought equity. There was no convertible note. You're, but be familiar with these terms. So convertible note means that turns it, it, it actually at first is structured like a loan. And then at some point, there are things that would trigger it converting into shares. As in- um, and those coming of those triggers can be different in every situation. And as an investor, convertible notes are interesting because I, like I just did one recently and I'm getting 8% interest, which is pretty good. And then is at some the point in time, I did? yeah. And then at some point in time, I have the option of saying, you know what? I'd rather just have my money back and have the interest or do I want to convert it into equity? And yeah. I, I may be, I might have the ability to say if I want to or not to, or I may not depending on how they structure it. But Sometimes those are nice and they're also debt. So if anything happens, I have to get paid back first. Yeah. And so that, that is one of the pros of, de- of, of debt-based stuff with doing convertible notes. The reason that convertible notes and safes are used a lot is when you're starting out a company, it's really hard to figure out what it's worth. And you could spend forever trying to figure out, is this worth half a million dollars, a million dollars, $10 million, whatever the number is. And it just makes it easy for an angel investor to say, look, I'll give you $100,000 we don't really know what this is or what it's worth or what it's going to be yet. So we're going to sign this safe agreement that says once we figure that out and we figure out what the valuation of it is later, this is kind of how I expect to be treated later. Simplified version of that. I want to invest in Matt's company. We don't know what it's worth. I give him $500,000 and we sign a very simple agreement that says that my that my price will reflect or reflect a percentage of the next money yeah. that comes in. So and when an investor comes in at a later round, and these things often have terms like caps on them. So mm-hmm. in, in this fictional agreement, I give Matt $500,000 and the, the cap would be a 5 million valuation. Now, what I want to see is Matt go to work, kill it, and then get a 10 million money at a $10 yeah. million valuation, but that cap is the investor. It protects me as the investor, meaning I'm going to max that cap out. And I, that's, I will, I would own roughly 10% 500 K into yeah. 5 million is in that ballpark where the next, so the cap is there to protect the investor. There are also discounts on the downside in yeah. case it comes in below. So um, the thing I like about a safe note, which is kind of a new thing over the last decade, which is really a Silicon Valley. It came creation. out of Y Combinator, right? Well, I think so. Yeah. And I, it's, it I mean, these are things, these are like a few pages, not like complex shit. And it's in, intended to be fair and equitable for both parties. And it's really the main thing is, is like, hey, I think we might be onto something, but it's not fair to you. It's not fair to us to try to truly peg a value on or spend thousands of dollars on legal fees trying to do a bunch of crap so yeah the safe agreement you can just like go google it and download a copy of it and use it um yeah you shouldn't have a lawyer doesn't mean you shouldn't have a lawyer but you don't need to spend a ton of money on legal bills to do this yeah and and like once again that the lightweight nature of that 
<clears throat> you might be thinking, oh, do it, is that really that big of a deal? I want to learn. Man, these things get complex in a hurry and they get expensive. expensive. Well, maybe you'll spend a few hundred dollars on a lawyer instead of a few thousand dollars on a lawyer. That's the, that's the key. You're my attorney. <laughs> do they do anything for a few hundred dollars? Maybe. Do you? Yeah. Okay. You're not my attorney. Daryl, our COO at Full Scale is on some days. Like, it's, I mean, that why? Because like we have to review a lot of documents, agreements, and stuff like that. It's the struggle's real on that one, man. So, okay. So, you know, we're telling the real story. We've kind of outlined a lot of this stuff and the reality that comes with it, but how do you get it? Is, is the thing that we need to talk about in the second half of this and what's going to likely happen along that path. So look, when you go out to do this, the, the people that you're wanting money from, I want to encourage you to come proper, be prepared, show what the problem you're solving, how you're going to solve it. What is that business like? And then the important part of you got to demonstrate if you want if you want the best conversations and the best possibilities, you need to demonstrate how someone, how your investors are going to get a return on what you're doing. The, the problem is most people start a, a, a company and honestly, none of them will ever raise money from venture capital because the idea is not big enough. And so, for example, Correct. when we had dinner with the guys from Scale the other day, so they're, they're an incubator here in Missouri, like you just mentioned. Scale-vc.com. Definitely check them out. I'll link in the show notes for that. Yeah. Just but he told me, he's like, you know what? We're only looking for ideas that have the potential to be a billion dollar company. Yep. So your little lawn service business, not going to make not a cut, it. right? Yeah. So it's, yep. it, it's got to be a, a company that can really scale to be really big because most venture capitalists have no interest in investing, you know, a half million dollars in something that maybe one day you'll do a million dollars <laughs> a year in revenue. Like that is like, that's peanuts to them. They, they're not even going to waste their time talking about it. It's got to grow into be tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in annual revenue before you're going to get and, and attract that kind of investor. Let's break that down for a second because we're mentioning a fund. So what what's consists of these funds? Why were we at dinner at these people with these people? The, the fund managers and organizations go out and look for people that want to put their money into the quote fund, yeah. knowing that that fund, which will have a specific amount, in this case, it was $5 million that they were raising. And at, they, they were courting us as investors to put money in where Matt and I may or may not choose to do that, but they also wanted some involvement from us. So it's a value add there, which is interesting and attractive to us because realistically that they're going to do the, the hardest work of going and finding, let's just say 20 companies to put $250,000 into what we would get as investors there is a diversity of portfolio companies yeah. that that we're hoping down the road end up getting acquired, sold, or something. That money gets returned to the fund. The fund will pay us according to what percentage of the fund we put our money in at. So and those, five million dollars. If we put in five hundred thousand, we may have ten percent of the fund. Which it, yeah. So that's the mechanics of how that works. Um, and I mean, for me, that's attractive because it gives it's 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 in some ways like it's similar to a mutual fund that's going to have a diversified approach. So I'm not it's not like just putting all that money in one company. You're like, God, that better come in big. Well, and the problem with being an angel investor, from my experience, is it's 
it's a huge hassle to meet with a you bunch won. of potential to meet with a whole bunch of people to invest in, yep. do due diligence and then meet them, decide to invest and then go, you know, go through all that process where otherwise yeah. I can go to someplace like scale, write them a check and then never talk about it ever again. And they yeah, put my money to well, work. Or, or maybe even be involved, which for us, like we do that anyway. And that we're attractive partners and involvement there because we've got stuff like this podcast or yeah. And, and that's uh, why you have a lot of, a lot of angel investors pull their money together in these kinds of funds because it's it's so yeah. much work, especially if you only invest, say, $10,000 each in 20 companies. Like the amount of work it takes to meet yeah. all of oh, them and dude, find all sounds, of them. At this and, point, that sounds like a freaking nightmare. Yeah, like, yeah. much I mean, easier. That's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of coordination. And here's the thing is like from an investor side of things, like uh, if you're going to get an investor or get funded, you need to give strong consideration to like, do you want that person involved? Do you not want them involved? Like, what does that mean? What value do they some bring? people are going to want, do you, and we don't have to name them, but do you remember when we had a, a guy come in that wanted to invest in full scale? And he's like, yeah, but I'm going to come here and work one day a week. I want to get paid. I want to yeah. be involved. And we were like, no, I don't know if you're the <laughs> right fit for what we do. So we didn't need a babysitter. Yeah. So by the way, I want to expand on this too, because we're actually participating in a really interesting event. And we did, a, I did a podcast called Midwest uh, Startup Funding, if you want to look for the title. But so uh, uh, Flyover Capital, which Dan Kerr, the people from Flyover, multiple different people have been on this show over the years. They're a supporter of what we do. And we're helping them sponsor an event that they're calling mid by Midwest. That's if you want to, the URL is midxmidwest.com and, and see what I love what they're doing because they're vetting companies. They're looking for companies that are going to really, really have a possibility to like move instantly if they get funded. And they're, so they're bringing in 50 companies and 50 funds. I mean, dude, that for me, if I was raising in an earlier stage, that would, uh, that sounds like a fantasy wonderland. Yeah. I'm excited for that event. Well, the, the, and we're going, we're going to participate in it, but the, but at, at, on a founder level, man, like getting, the, so look for stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. Other things too, is like, Matt, I haven't been involved with it like you have, but we have a thing here called, uh, what was it? Midwest American Angel. Mid American Angels. So in that case, that, that, uh, that was really attractive for, that's just a whole bunch of pre-qualified people that want to write checks either individually or maybe even together and they'll put you in front of all those folks. There are That's angel groups like that all yeah. over the country. So my point is, is there's a lot of things where you can, rather than we're talking about how do you go get the money? Well, either you're going to have to reach out and find these things individually, apply, pitch, go through that whole bit. Uh, but what, dude, would you rather go to a place that has 10, 15, 50 of them all in one spot there yeah. with the intention of wanting to talk to you? Or do you rather go out and grind? Well, and a lot of them can bring other things to the table, right? You're like, yeah. oh, I'm creating uh, some kind of software I want to sell into K through 12 schools, right? Well, chances are you go into these angel groups. Maybe there's an investor there that's done that before, or whatever. That yeah. might have some connections or whatever. Yeah. So that understands these, and appreciates the problem you're trying yeah. to solve. Yeah. Yep. And so, then, and then a lot of those people too. Like, I don't want to discourage you from having your investors involved. There's two terms that are kind of. They call, a lot of people talk about smart money or dumb money. Dumb money is a check that doesn't provide anything other than money. 
Uh, smart money is when you get the kind of investors that are also advisors, they can do a lot of things. So what does that look like? That could be introductions, advice. Maybe they're, maybe they'll become your first client. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's, in some cases too, like we actually, and we're allowed to talk about this, by the way, you and I just invested in lending standard, who's a client at full scale. Yep. So my point is, is like, you look at that, they, there's the, these options exist around you. You have, but you have to be peripheral. You have to be looking around and knowing that they're there. And, you know, Andy at Lending Standards been on the show before, but we got to know him. I mean, it wasn't fast. And that's, that's what I want to talk about next, Matt. If you think you're getting funded quickly or you are put yourself in a spot where your business is about to run out of money, if you don't get funding in the next month, uh, you're fucked. This stuff never, the angel, angel investments are your only real chance of getting someone else's money in your account quickly, other than maybe a loan or a credit card. Yeah. VC type investments probably take months and angel type investments may take weeks. So, yeah. uh, they, they can be pretty fast, you know, uh, Especially Angel if it's can somebody write you, you check know. tomorrow. They can write yeah. you a check today or yeah. tomorrow. And, and honestly, so what we found, dude, have you noticed that like, okay, the angel options that have, that I see, they often don't get into anything. They're like betting on founders, yes. like almost purely on founders. So um, one thing we didn't mention that I thought, so at full scale, we didn't actually sell equity. Matt and I own it like 50, 50. Um, and we didn't want to, we needed some capital uh, at one point and we created venture debt. We created our own lending pool mm-hmm. and people we knew uh, put money in and we paid them an amortized return and they got a good return. Like Sandy yeah, we Kemper paid them a high was, interest rate. Uh, well, Sandy Kemper from C2FO was one of those people and he acknowledged the last time I hosted him, he was like, thank you. That's been a great thing. And now with that, one thing I noticed is none of those people looked at our pitch deck or proposition, any of it. Those were, those were people that were pure players in Matt and Matt. Yeah. Right. And, and that was it. And, you know, and, and Hey, look, I dude, that came together quickly and effectively. It's been good for us. It's been great for the lenders. I say lenders cause you're not a lot. They're not investors at that point. Cause they aren't, in, they aren't right. They don't, they don't know have that a vested interest in shares, but now, there's some things you can put out there and, and put together. Uh, once again, I want to let you know that if you're going to do that, be careful, though, because when it comes to angel investors, we should have mentioned this earlier. There are some restrictions around that that you might well, have on some levels that you need to, to be, be aware a, of. Accredited investor. An accredited investor, which, by yes. the way, has a moving target definition over my lifetime as an entrepreneur. It's It's evolved and changed, but. Um, yeah, you have to make like a certain the, amount of money a year or have a certain your network. sister that works part time at McDonald's and is in college is not an accredited investor no. unless she has inherited a shitload of something that is sitting somewhere on the side. This probably means she ain't working part time at McDowell's. Right? Is it McDowell's or McDonald's? Coming to America, it was Mac-do. McDowell's. Almost the same, right? Okay. <clears throat> All right. So I want to throw a couple of quick definitions out there because I think it's good to understand this. We mentioned angel. That can be like also pre-seed or in some cases seed funding. It's the earliest stage. It's the earliest stage. And it's usually you. It might be other people close to you. And then you know, let's talk about true seed funding is for a lot of people where the real funding journey and rocket ship begins. This is where, like we mentioned an organization like scale, we'll get, go to scale-bc.com. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're, these are organizations that are comfortable with writing a check 
and uh, to an early stage company, right? So for in my world, and our notes are like, they usually go between three and six million raised. Not, not in my experience. These are usually checks that are 50 to 500K. Well, this is, um, and, the notes here say that's what the companies are valued, right? Oh, valued at, yeah. You know, if I knew how to read, I would be so much better at this show. On you know, the days. most the most interesting thing here is it says even companies that are raising seed funding, those companies are on average three years old already. Yeah, yeah. And so there's that evolution that comes in. Now, look, if you're brand new, that's not a selling point. It's not. I want to I see that you fought for this for at least a little while. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but the seed money comes in and, and, and this is, this is, this is the stage that many people get to. And that might be it. Now, when I say it, a lot of businesses become self-sufficient after a, a they don't seed need round. It. They it's don't need not it. uncommon. And then a lot of them get the seed comes in and, and things don't go the way that they hope. Um, speak like they hire developers that aren't productive, which feels like a good time to mention. If you need help finding expert software developers, that's what we do at full scale, go to fullscale.io and we'll help you build a team quickly and affordable. It only takes a couple minutes to answer a couple questions. We put expert people in front of you can help you build that team. Uh, people sometimes ask me like, what do you sell at full scale? Is it like programmers, websites, whatever? I said, we sell peace of mind. We go through, we do the vetting and find qualified people that can help you go and get it done. Now, I mentioned seed rounds falling apart. Uh, one of the, when I talk to people who have had things implode at that round, they almost, they, either they realized there wasn't the market or the competition was a little stiffer than they thought, or they brought in the wrong people and kept them around too long. Well, and I think one of the things we should talk about as we, as we start to wrap this up is when you're having an early stage early company... Stage. There's several different avenues you can take. You know, you don't have necessarily need to go raise a bunch of money. I love the the incubators and going through the incubators like Scale or, or TechStars or Y Combinator, all these things. Obviously, it's really hard to get into Y Combinator. It's going to be a lot of competition for that. But there are a lot of those accelerator programs, and there's been a lot of them in Kansas City. Like, um, what were those called? What, like Launch KC? Well, there are some other incubators that we had too. Yeah. Uh, Digital Sandbox was one. We had a Fountain Innovation Fund. There's, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things. There's been that, a few I mean, of them. Really a lot. Like this is yes. not an uncommon thing, people. Like, I mean, they Those exist are great. for all industries, for all verticals. Now, if we get outside of Kansas City, uh, there's things like Arch Grants in St. Louis gives 50 grand to 20 different companies. It's a million bucks. And then the thing is, is if you give a little bit of consideration, there's a lot of things that'll match that kind of money. Yes. So you could turn, well, I could turn 50 grand into 150 grand in the state of Missouri alone, because there are other things that'll tack money on. Because once one person, so that's the reality of this is one, the first check's the fucking hardest to get, man. Well, right. Absolutely. So there's definitely a herd mentality with all of this. And you mentioned earlier, like, oh, we got yeah. a grant for Lunch KC. We got some money from this thing. We got this one angel investor. Next next thing you know, the herd starts to to collect and other people are willing to put money in because somebody else has already put money in. Um, and yeah, those first couple ones are really hard. But once you start getting some money coming in, then those first investors also become your allies because they're like, hey, I don't want this thing to fail. I got to find some other people to put money into this thing to make this work. Like they become almost part of the team, whether they yeah. realize it or not. Right. Because they want to see it be successful. 
the real story of that is rich people often just mimic what other rich people are doing. Well, you have a lot of people. I mean, on say, some levels, there's a lot of truth to that. Like yeah, we've seen that, and it's like, hey, if if John's going to write a check, I will too. Well, especially right? if it's about something they don't know, right? Like, oh, I, yeah. I met with this tech company. That sounds pretty cool. I don't know anything about tech. You know, I'm a lawyer, and I make money doing that or whatever. But I've got an, an extra hundred grand. I'd love to invest in tech. So if you know Matt DeCourcy says this is a good investment, then I'll do it. You know, you, you're definitely going to have that. That happens a lot. Yeah. And, the, and, you know, we've actually done investor meetings with people and they're like, Hey, I want to come in, but I'm bringing two other, is it okay if I bring two other people that yeah. often do follow-ons with me? Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. In fact, let's do that. You know, speaking of, of giving a couple shout outs and bringing people uh, along, I want to give a shout out to Lane Rockley, who is the founder of Digit, who sent me a message on LinkedIn this morning and thanked us for doing our 52 part series about how to start a tech company. Lane, thanks for being a listener, man. Uh, he, he sent a really great message. I posted it in the Startup Hustle chat. I want to encourage you to come join that on Facebook as well. Uh, but Lane mentioned in his message that that 52 part series, especially while starting a tech company within, uh, the, within the context of a pandemic, helped them feel like, he said, literally said, helped us feel like we're not alone. And all of it, the reason I'm bringing that up is thanks for paying attention, Lane. We, we acknowledge that and we hope things do well at Digit. That sounds like, dude, that's, of all things that I never would have guessed, it's a, it is a startup that helps make archaeology records paperless. Oh, wow. Who would have thought, bro? There's riches in the niches. Best of luck with your startup, Lane, um, and thanks for paying attention. But you know, my point here is, there is, dude, there is an unlimited amount of information maybe even just on this podcast about this kind of stuff, scroll back through the feed. There's a, dude, we have so many episodes about funding, getting funded. And then we had a 52 part series about how to start a tech yeah. company as well. And we cover some of it in there. Case in point there. I, okay. Look, dude, I dropped out of five fucking colleges. I don't have a degree, man. I've done great without it. You know why? I know how to Google stuff. <laughs> I'm good at Googling. That's hey. your degree. I'm going to get you a, degree, a little oh, plaque dude. that says that. Well, my degrees, I'm hoping. You have a BS soon. in Google. <laughs> I definitely have a BS in something. Um, yeah, I'm holding out. I'm not accepting that degree, Matt. My next degree is likely to come as an honorary degree from some school in the Philippines where we've signed six, full scale signed six agreements with computer science schools to work with them to try to. Yeah. Yeah. Bring in some talented awesome people. people. Yeah, that's the thing. But hey, look, there's there's a ton of stuff out there. I'm going to go through a rapid fire list of some other stuff because we're about out of time before. I, uh, these are other places where people get funding, whatever. As a quick reminder, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. Hey, we got a lot of great stuff going on. A lot of great people that want to help you build your tech. Only go to Fullscale.io. It takes two minutes to fill that out. Really cool stuff. It's going to match you up with people. All right, here's some other suggestions. We didn't mention we 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 didn't mention the SBA. It's the Small Business Administration. That's a gut. That's under the government category. Uh, SBA micro loans. What's a micro loan? These are like uh, it's funny. I, they refer to up to fifty thousand dollars as micro. Have a feeling a lot of people listening right now don't fifty thousand dollars in their world isn't micro, but the, a true micro lender are private and nonprofit lenders that 
basically pool money together and use different platforms to give these loans out in small scale, they're going to probably come with a pretty high uh, rate of return. Um, you know, it's possible you can leverage regular loans, uh, although there are some better options. Uh, we didn't mention crowdfunding. Um, when yeah. I first started uh, at my first true company, I started as an entrepreneur, crowd, equity crowdfunding wasn't even legal. It wasn't like, cause it wasn't possible. And uh, those laws have been changed, relaxed and restructured. So what's crowdfunding? There are literally platforms that will vet you as a company and then let you sell equity through that to people that it's almost like, that are go, not accredited. like GoFundMe or Kickstarter for this. Yeah. And those are, those are investors that are not accredited. Yeah. And that's the, the, I don't know what the workaround is with that or whatever, but it exists. And that's a real thing, man. And I've, that's gone, that's it really gone well. So, all right, Matt. So as we close this out, like, I mean, what are your, what, I, first off, this could be like a, like a day long episode. So hopefully we gave you some, some real tips and with the real story being the title here, um, uh, you know, can some candor involved, but what are, what are your, what, what do you want to say on the way out, dude? I think when you're starting your company, you've got to very quickly decide, is this a company that has to raise capital or not? And if it's a company that has to raise capital, for example, if you're trying to create Uber or something, you're like, this is going to have to be big and be in a lot of places and whatever. And it's just going to have, it's going to be capital intensive, right? That's a different path. Ultimately, what you want to do is set yourself up for success where if you don't raise capital, the bill, the, the business could potentially still be successful. So many people like, Instead of finding a technical co-founder or somebody to work part-time with some sweat equity or whatever to get us moving forward and, and building the product or doing whatever we need to do, they just become like professionals at trying to raise money and they never actually accomplish anything and then they never raise the money. So I, I think you also have to have a path there where you have like path A, B, C and one of those paths is like, look, we're going to bootstrap this thing and we're going to figure out how to make it work even if we never raise any money. Well, well said. And I agree with all of it. Um, a couple taglongs with that. Uh, it, hey, look, get ready to be humbled. This is a humbling process. If you're going to go out and raise capital, um, uh, get ready to hear no and get ready to talk to as many people as it takes to get what you want. If you're not prepared or ready to do that, then you're not going to get funded. Um, in the history of the show, as I've talked to different people, I'd say, and I'll ask how many different pitches or whatever you get, it's usually between 50 and a hundred. It's not five, you know? So, um, some people might be at that lower number, but the reality is it's going to be a lot. Um, you know, much like Matt said, um, if you don't need to raise it, then don't. Uh, on the flip side of that, I hear a lot of people, they're like, no, I'll never do the Darth Vader venture capital stuff. I don't think that venture capital is a bad thing. Um, I don't know why are they evil. These are like really well-connected, experienced people that want to put a lot of money in your company and that have a vested interest in your success. I'm not really sure what's terrible about that. So, um, but if you do decide to bring on investment, you need to remember that these people are your business partners and it is harder to get rid of them than it might be to get rid of a spouse. Yep. So they're <laughs> going to, I mean, they, and yes. I wrote that in, I wrote that in million dollar bedroom. Like it is yeah. easier to get rid of your wife or your husband 
than it is to get rid of a business partner. So know what you're getting into and know that there's a situation that exists. I do want to strongly encourage you to get good advice and legal advice and, uh, you know, and with these agreements, uh, remember they should include sunny and rainy day provisions. They shouldn't yeah. just be written in a way when everything's awesome. You got to think about what happens because you know, there's a lot, we hear a lot of stories. I hear more horror stories about people that have non-productive co-founders than shitty investors in the end. But, you know, think about what you're doing and think about just, just sit down and try to consider 10 different outcomes based on 10 different scenarios and give yourself time. And remember, this isn't a fast process. Um, if you're going after institutional money, like venture funds and stuff like that, realistically, you're looking at four to nine months. Uh, the, early, the smaller number might be that long just to get a yes, you know, and then you got to go through a process to get the money completed and none. And, and, and in, in the final thing I want to say, I'll give you, give you the mic back here most of these deals fall apart before they actually happen. The, the most important thing is networking and look at the opportunity of everybody who says no to ask them like, hey, do you know somebody else who does invest in this type of thing or knows something about this that I should talk to, right? Because just like you're going to meet with somebody that's like, oh, I don't know anything about investing in tech and this scares me. Ask them, well, who do you know that does, right? It's just all about networking. Yep. And, and, you know, hey, do it, do it, do it. Do it, do it, Hustle. do it. Okay, that was only five or six. Like that's a represent. Like you're going to need to get to a hundred. That's how many pitches you're going to get. Matt, I'm out of here, man. I'm all fired up. I'm going to go raise some capital, even though you told me I couldn't. All right, see you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.